What's up, all of our How Should I Bro fanatics and people? Thanks for hitting the download button and listening to this show. If you love it, go back into the archives and listen to every single episode we have because lately we have not done too many of them. I'd like to start by thanking our sponsors because we've got some awesome people that make this show possible. The first one is Show Me Comics. And if you've been listening to this for a while, you know what makes them awesome. It's because they are the premier independent comic book company in the entire universe. They bring you their 64-page full-color graphic novel. It's called Hafu. And if you want to see what makes it so awesome, then you just get right on your computer or your smartphone and go to www.showmecomics.com. Look at the samples. Check it out. If you're a girl, you're probably going to get super wet in your panties. And you're going to order your copy right now for only $9.99 plus shipping and handling. And when it gets to you, you're going to love it. You know why? Because it is the first female character in comic books that is not used for her tits and ass. Okay, there's probably some other people that can say that, but I don't care. We're also brought to you by Extreme Krav Maga and Fitness, located in the Gravity Bluffs area of Fenton, Missouri. That is where I do all of my personal training, my boot camps. We also do self-defense, CCW, tactical defense, powerlifting, yoga, Pilates, Zumba, you name it. And we've got it at Extreme Krav Maga. You can check them out right now by going to www.xkm-stl.com. So, I have had a lot of shit going on in my personal life lately over the last actually several months but the the last couple weeks since i did the last episode it's been insane and i'm going to talk about that later but first i want to tell you guys about a lecture that i did um on wednesday i i have a cousin she goes to one of the local community colleges and she's taking a class it's like first aid cpr kind of like low level uh like emergency shit and because i spent time in the ems field before i got into personal training they were looking for speakers to come in and talk to the class and tell them about their experience like in healthcare and stuff like that and so she asked me if i would be interested in doing it and i was like you know usually i turn these things down like not to brag but i actually get asked to do public speaking a lot (laughs) and usually i'm so busy and i don't feel like canceling my business or my boot camps to go out and do that stuff but uh since it was for her and since I just opened up a bunch of new boot camp classes, so if you live around St. Louis, make sure you go and uh, check out that website I told you earlier. I thought it's okay to go ahead and cancel a class for a night to go in and do my cousin's class. Now, the thing is, she knows how I am. She knows that I'm a little bit vulgar. And whenever I give speeches, I really try not to hold back too much, especially if it's on a college campus, because you know what? The kids paid for it. They're going to hear it. It's okay to, to let loose a little bit with the language. And teachers can curse. And the teachers can curse. That's right. So I told her, you know, heading into this, I said, I'm, I'm probably not going to prepare very much because my, uh, you know, right now my personal life is just fucking insane. And I've got a lot on my mind. I'm stressed out plus work and everything. I'm probably not going to prep too much for it. So I told her, I'm just going to go in and I'm just going to kind of free flow off the top of my head. So if I embarrass you, I'm sorry. And that's exactly what I did. I went in with absolutely no outline, no prep at all. The most prep I did was I got some pictures off the internet the day of because I figured I could use those to talk about. And I knew I wanted to open up with something about poop. And I told her that I said, Kayla, I'm going to begin this lecture talking about poop and that's the only thing that i have planned (laughs) (laughs) and but the fucked up part was i didn't even know what i was going to say about poop (laughs) i just knew that in healthcare and pretty much my life completely has been guided by shit so i wanted to talk about poop but i didn't even know what i was going to talk about and so when the the professor when he was opening up class before he introduced me he was he was telling a story about how I guess earlier in the week he was in the emergency room because he had some type of uh, some type of gastrointestinal problems, and he literally like verbatim told the class. He said, "Yeah, he goes, I was in the ER, and he goes, I had a bucket in front of me because I was vomiting, and I was on the toilet because I was going number two all night." And when he said that, I turned to my cousin. I said, "That's my segue." I said, that's my intro. <laughs> so, so he introduced me to the class, and I came up there. And so very first thing I said, I told the uh, the class, I said, you know, it's funny. Earlier, he mentioned he called a bowel movement a number two. <laughs> I was like, how is it that all of us know 
that a number one is peeing and a number two is pooping. Like, is that something that's universal? Yeah. Like, is every fucking kid taught from the time they're born that a number one is a pee and a number two is a poop? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm not going to teach saying. my kids. I'm not going to teach my kids that a number one is a piss and number two is a shit. That way, when they get a little older and like the teacher asks them, do you have to go number two? They're going to like freak out and think that numbers are going to fall out of their ass and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally fucking confused. Like, the only kids ever to not know what a number one and a number two is. And, uh, so that was my opening line. <laughs> like that's what I opened the class with, and luckily everybody laughed and everybody knew it. Everybody knew what a number one and a number two was, so it proved my theory right. And uh, from there, I went on and I, you know, I talked about my time in EMS and I talked about personal training and everything. But uh, I think I wound up talking for like seventy-five minutes <laughs> without any prep at all. But when I was done, like they actually, they all clapped and uh, the professor said, he, you know, he's like, that's the best presentation we've had in here. And I'm like, dude, I didn't fucking prepare anything. <laughs> he's like, can I call you and have you do it again? I was like, for sure. Like, I just treated it like a podcast. Yeah. Like, literally, like I went in, like, it, it's, it's cool with like the pro wrestling and shit that I've done because, you know, over the years I learned to go up without a script and with just like bullet points and be able to like just take a subject and go off on it. But the, doing these podcasts really helped with being able to free flow and have to go into the data banks and find stuff really quick because as as Tim knows like we don't use a lot of like prep or script for these however today my guests were prepared they did bring some stuff so today Tim and I are joined by a Mr. Nasty Chris Nays who is the all-star drummer for the band called Thor Hammer which if you haven't heard of them yet you guys better go right now and check them out. In oh. fact, where can they find their music at? Uh, you can find our music at thorhammer.bandcamp.com. And also, I am the host of the podcast on this network, On the Road with Thorhammer. And we are already up to 10 episodes. Perfect. And then I'm also joined. This is his second time on the How Should I Bro <laughs> podcast. I'm joined by the sort of sexy, <laughs> luscious, vivacious beautiful lascivious gorgeous Whoa. lascivious and aroused mike daffron Wait michael oh, allen oh, daffron dr love the chef ravioli boy d on crack <laughs> himself I michael got, daffron i got nasty and he gets like all of this what am i chopped liver over it's here it's a mustache like <laughs> nah, yeah, you're right. chris recently like just grew a mustache and to be freddie mercury for halloween oh well or it's, neil pert but it's, I couldn't find it. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> it's perfect. It's, it's awesome. Well, I kept but, it, so that tells you it's something. It's awesome, but it makes you look like you're like 50. <laughs> like, I feel like my dad. The long hair. Yeah, I feel uh, like my dad. Kind of racks the 50. Well, Sammy. <laughs> Never tell you about the time I it. first grew this mustache. You shit ass. Damn it, Damn it so Sammy. Shit. That's a mighty fine mustache. So there's some shit ass and stuff to come out from over there. So. Uh, so, Michael Daffron, I'm happy to have you on the show for a second time. The last time you were on, you were talking about your time in underwear modeling. <laughs> and that was a really interesting show. I'm I had a lot of people it. afterwards asking I was laughing me. my ass off. You're a funny guy. <laughs> uh, just in case you haven't picked up on it, that episode, um, it wasn't Mike Daffron. That wasn't actually him. He was supposed to be on that night, and he didn't. So I was like, fuck it. Let's just pretend he's still on. And have Jordan pretend to be Mike Daffron. Yeah, no, yet another awesome character that Jordan pulled off. <laughs> even though, even though Jordan's Mike Daffron is from the East Coast. Yeah, he right. started like it started off. I was like, okay, this is actually convincing. He's he sounds like Mike, and as like the minutes went by, he turned into like. A, like a, a dude from Boston with this accent and it made no sense like by the end I was like it wasn't Mike at all he was Jewish yeah. through it I'm like oh alright <laughs> he liked his by the end he was Jewish it was fucked up <laughs> it so. was wicked awesome <laughs> uh, so Chris yes you know it's funny recently you you were telling me a story about how you went through a breakup and you were like still living with this person for a while uh, for a couple of months after, yeah. So how did you deal with this? Because this is something, people that listen to the How Should I Bro podcast is a lot about life experience and things that, you know, men and women both go through, but a lot of from the perspective of a male. So yeah. how did you deal with having to see this person all the time that you were no longer with? Well, uh, we actually had opposite work schedules, so that worked out in my favor. But it, it is a studio apartment. So yeah. we had one bedroom. There's one bed in that bedroom. 
Uh, but I work overnights, so I would be sleeping in there during the day. She would be sleeping in there during the night. So that issue was gone. Uh, but then there's the whole there's the tension that's always lingering. You know what I mean? Anytime you're sharing that same living space and there's problems between you right. or you're not even a thing anymore and you're just right. stuck in this thing financially, yeah. it is rough. So it probably makes it weird when you have sex with her, too. <laughs> like when she wakes up and you're on top of her. For the record, like, what are you doing? We don't do this anymore. For the record, like, that did not happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, But yeah, uh, eventually she moved on and... Found a new boyfriend, uh, so she basically just left, and she's been really cool and paid her side of the rent all the way through to the end. We got a well, there's a month left, right? So you're able to mutually make this happen is very amicable. She was yeah very cool about it. I did not expect. Did that. you ever find there were times though where you guys were like, oh, I'm so fucking pissed off at you, and oh I'm absolutely, so, and it's so tense, but you're like, but now I just want to. Fuck the shit out of each uh, other and get this tension out of us. It was well, never like that. No. That's what happened when Mike and I used to be roommates. When we were roommates here at, at Tim's house, they would get like that because yeah. I like to keep things clean and picked up, and Mike would just leave little shit laying around, and I'd be like, I'd be like, that fucker. And then I would sometimes do the same thing. Mike would clean the kitchen, and I wouldn't have yeah. the George Foreman girl cleaned off or something, and he'd come and he's like, wait a second. There's a gristle left <laughs> fucking George Foreman. I'm so fucking pissed at him. And then I'd be looking at him like, you didn't, you didn't fucking vacuum today. And the next thing you know, we're fucking making out and like butt fucking yeah. on the couch. Next thing you know. Does this rivalry rivalry go back to February 20th, 2000 when you guys faced each other in your garage? Uh, that's the exact day that we fell in love. <laughs> that was the exact. There were actual hearts in our can eyes that you? met in the middle. I, I actually watched this match earlier today. So can I give you some highlights from this match? Wait, uh, you want to go? Yeah, you do whatever you want to do. Because uh, my demographic is like primarily 70% female. Sure. <laughs> I have no idea what we're talking about yet. All right. First off, Mike and I have never had sex. <laughs> yep. Like, I mean, at all. Like, he's a virgin, I'm a virgin. We've never had sex with anybody in our entire lives. You guys like, are no destined girls, for each other, though. Nothing. I don't know how I had those two kids. They were completely immaculate conceptions, and I was told that I was the father. I'm saving myself um, for a woman made out of breasts. That and, like, <laughs> plus the fact neither of us are homosexuals, but we oh did make God. a pact. We did make a pact many years ago that even though we're not gay, if ever, like, we had feelings towards each other and Mike was drunk enough, he would suck my dick. So stop <laughs> sex, all right? We didn't look in each other's eyes, so it was okay. All right, so way back in the day when we were kids and we were still in high school, uh, there was this thing that was really popular called backyard wrestling. So in the world of professional wrestling, this is what a lot of the kids were doing. They were too young to like try it out or go pro, and so we had our own, um, we had our own little club. We called it the WCWF, and that's back around the time that I first met Michael and Christopher Nays. So. Uh, what is this that you're referring to, Chris? There was a match that Mike and I had yes, back in the old... Yes, uh, at beginning, the beginning of that night, Mike delights the crowd with with a sexy dancing belt presentation. Oh, that was that one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that one was up. I'll that went that over like fucking gangbusters. <laughs> People were cheering their asses off for you. So, okay. And you looked hot. I put on a damn good dance. You did. Present that belt. In very, very small, like, undies. Yeah. Whatever they were. It's undies kinda, or wrestling tights, maybe. Well, I did it like kind of like the pillow trick. Yeah. So if you know what the pillow trick is, if you don't, basically you take off all your clothes except, like, your underpants. Yeah. And I just like that. I just call it underpants. <laughs> I don't like call it underwear. Underpants way Normally better. Normally you wear the phone. But, yeah. <laughs> and it was to the tune of... And you put a pillow in front of you, yeah. and it looks like you're naked. So I did the yeah. same thing with the the new belt. We got a new belt uh, in our WCWF Federation, yeah. Backyard Federation. And so to present this new belt, I came out with just my underwear on, but I like scooted them up real high. And a wife beater. Oh, I did have a wife yeah. beater on? All right. uh, but it, it was to the wearing. tune of Isaac Hayes' Big Salty Balls. Yes. Big Chocolate Salty Balls. Chocolate Salty Balls. Uh, the match I'm referring to was uh, Daffron versus Adam Raw. Uh he is now referred to as Adam Caster in his wrestling profession. That's uh, true. You, uh, referring to uh, Adam Raw, he made Mike Daffron look like one tough son of a bitch. <laughs> I did, man. I sold my ass off you for him. You did sell your it ass off. It was all a setup for the Daffroni leg drop. Yes. 
I wanted to make the pillow. And also, that is something that I wrote down. <laughs> the rock knee leg drop spot <laughs> where he takes off his shoe first because he can't get the knee pad off without the shoe off. So you go to take your shoe off. I'm like, what is he doing? Why is he taking it? Is he going to put his foot in his face? Well, the other thing I like so is he that takes, he, he takes, would take the shoe off and then he would just kind of toss the shoe to the side and yeah. then he'd take off the knee sleeve and throw it into the audience. Like, yeah, why do you just audience, fucking throw both? And then, then instead of the moving the arm back and forth like The Rock did, uh, he... <laughs> He did a funny leg dance. He did a leg wiggle. That's right. <laughs> a leg wiggle. And I jet across, you know, uh, on the side of the room, yeah, jump over. Dropped the DLD. Sam the eventually the leg drop. Sam eventually came out on top in that match. Uh, as we all know, he loves it on top. Yes, he does. Uh, and I do I believe that this was the beginning of this rivalry that stands to this day, and it has been proven. I- with this podcast. Well, I think uh, you got to realize I've done so many matches by now, and that was like 15 years ago. So sure. my, I'm getting to the point, there's matches I don't remember. Like, I, I, I got a hold of all these old tapes recently, and I'm going through, and I'm like, I, I was like, I don't even fuck remember wrestling like this person. And mm-hmm. I've had three concussions now, at least that I know of. I've had three concussions. The last one was this past summer, which was really bad. Can't and it's, it is, it's, it's affecting my memory pretty bad. <laughs> But there, it's getting to the point. Like there's specifics in a lot of matches I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember if it was this match or if it was a match where I, where him and I were tag team partners. Because not long after that, Mike and I were actually partners in a group called TRA. Mm-hmm. And I cannot remember if it was if it was this match or if I, we tagged together in a match. But uh, when you came out to the ring, there was uh, like I said, we were still in high school whenever these shows were going on. And in high school. Yeah, I, I know myself and most of my friends. We were pretty anti everything. We were not. We weren't jocks. We weren't nerds. We weren't goth. We weren't anything. Like we just. I never felt like I fit in. And to this day, I still don't feel like I ever fit into groups. And that's why I'm still so close to some of the people I grew up with. Is I feel like like that's how we we eventually fit in. We just grew up around each other. We said okay, because none of us fit into anything. This is our group. Yeah. And uh, like back in high school, it was, it was very much like that. And I was a, I was a very angry and confused teenager. <laughs> and I was confused because, you know, I was like 17. I had hormones. Mm-hmm. And here was this just granite rock ginger stud mm-hmm. named Mike Daffron. And I was like, I always thought I liked girls. But I really want him to suck my dick. <laughs> I mean, no, that's true. But, but you, you know, like, the chocolate salty balls. Yeah, yeah, the, you the, oh, I was backstage. I was then watching that. it 15 years later. <laughs> Um, but, but you know, as like a teenager, you're, you're confused. You don't know life. And I was a very frustrated kid because I didn't know how to deal with that. And I had a lot of mental issues going on that I never really knew about then either. But um, Can I ask you another what? thing about the wrestling injury? Oh, let me tell the story. Okay, sorry, the story. sorry. I didn't I'm know you were going, going somewhere with this. Sorry. I'm going somewhere with this. So one of the things I really hated was football players. I could not fucking stand jocks and football players, especially at our school because – we went to Northwest High School out in Cedar Hill, Missouri, and our football team was fucking horrible. It's always been horrible. The only thing Northwest has ever had sports-wise is their wrestling teams, thanks to those two bald badasses, Bob and Ron Wilhelm. My but everything mind. else sucked fucking dick at that school, and it still does. But the football team is absolutely horrid. It was a bunch of fat boys, and I just hated that. Like The movie Friday Night Lights had just come out around like my junior or senior year, and that was a, that was a movie about these country kids that played football and their colors were blue and white. So like the Northwest football players like to pretend that was them. And I, I just, I fucking hated it. I couldn't stand it. So any chance that I had to like pick on them, I would take it. If I'd see one in the hall, I'd shove them you know, into a locker. Like if I was in the weight room, I would take their dumbbells. Like I would try to start shit with these fucking guys. <laughs> I, and they were completely respectful. They would like, I look back now, I go, dude, what a fucking dick. If I ever see them now, I'm like, Hey man, you know, how's it going? I apologize for how I was back then. But as a kid, like, I don't know, maybe it was just a testosterone thing, but I couldn't stand it. So we were doing a show. We were doing this backyard WCWF thing, and it was getting super popular. All the kids from high school were like coming out to the shit because it was free, and they could sneak in beer. And the night that I – it was either the night I wrestled Mike or it was one of the nights we teamed together, I was told that like four or five of the varsity football players were coming out. Now, keep in mind, we did these shows at my parents' house. They have a humongous, like, garage that they used to work on, like, diesel trucks in, and that's where we did these shows so it could accommodate a lot of people. So I, I was told that some of these football players were coming out, specifically two that I hated. And so I remember when Mike was coming out to the ring, part of his, like, uh, ring attire, he would wear a white, you know, what they call a wife beater, a tank top, and, like, jean shorts. And I remember he came out to the ring, and one of the football players that I couldn't stand the most yells out, 
who put the beater on the broomstick? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm going to get out there on the microphone and tear this fat fucker apart. And if he gets in the ring, I'm going to kill him in front of everybody. And uh, I came out and I got on the microphone because I was so pissed. And I went into some long diatribe about you fat fucking idiot. You could never do what we do. Don't make fun of him. You're a yeah. fat piece of shit. Like, I dare you to get into this ring because if you did, I'd fuck you up. Like, for real. Like, I'm like talking shit yeah, to this guy. Shoot. Yeah, it was a total shoot. And they're cheering like, yeah, like it's a part of this show. And that's whenever I was just like, I realized I was like, everything in high school is fake. Yeah. All these people are fake. It's all an image. And that's when I was like, I don't even care. Life is fake. Wrestling is great because life is fake. And I call that dude out. It's a reflection of completely life. My memory is so skewed from that because I thought Tony... Young said no, it wasn't Tony Young. Like it that. wasn't Tony Young. I know who said it. I'm not gonna say his name yeah, in here. I know he probably doesn't listen to this dude, stuff. And call him I, guess out. I, I actually let's get some heat. No, that's <laughs> not I, I actually saw this dude. I'm losing my memory too. You I, get hammered in the head, and I just get hammered, wasted, and I, lose that's, memory. That's Whoa! one of the memories though that I have big time. I remember. I watched it. It's on one of the tapes. Okay. It's probably Is on it? one of the YouTube shows that I put up because yeah, I was like, oh my it. god, I I really I vaguely can't remember until I watched it on there, and then I was like, holy shit, I did do that, but. uh I actually saw this guy a few months ago. Uh, it was at a wrestling tournament or something, you know, and just and just talked to him and said hi and stuff like that. He probably didn't even realize like how much I didn't like them at the time, but it was around then that I realized like everything going around me was completely fake. And I'm like, life is fake. That's mm-hmm. how everyone is. Yeah. Sorry, that was like a really long ramble oh, no, thing dude. to get That's, to about that it's a great, match. Because I uh, story. I'm I'm pretty sure it was that match though. Because even though we were supposed to be against yeah, each see, other, like the football player just that pissed me off, and I was like, oh seriously, you want to make fun of him for being skinny, you yeah. fat fuck? Like you're the same thing, just big. I'm gonna go back and rewatch it, but uh, now that I have the context, because sometimes in that barn you can't hear everything on the mic too well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and the video quality's not great because it was. How many years ago? Yeah, Fifteen VHS years ago. Very long so, ago. Now you can film on your phone and it would sound better than right, it is on that video. Better. But uh, uh, the thing I do remember, though, about that match was uh, going in, and I, I've always been a guy that would sell for anybody. Like That's why I loved wrestling all, uh, Bruce Van Chan. Yeah. Was, he was like the smallest dude at the time, but he was so awesome, and it's like... Fuck yeah, I'm gonna sell for that. Like, why not? That just makes it. Yeah, make him look but, tough as hell. But it, and that's what the heel's supposed to do. Like, if a heel's not selling, like, how you're gonna get much like fire for the baby? That's face? a problem. The baby what's going, going on back, today? Yeah, if a heel isn't selling properly, and it, and sometimes you got to sell almost goofy. Like, you get to you got to turn into Skeletor a little bit. Yeah. Like, you have to get some of that oversell for the baby, or else their fire looks like shit. Sure. Most of you listening probably have no idea what the fuck <laughs> I just said there. But uh, if I'm right, is that the match that ends with? Uh, Jordan and I are laying on the ground and like uh, Nightmare, Nick Tyson, and Frankie Big Balls come out and they start throwing chairs on us. I, I'm i not sure if it's that one. I didn't it, watch it. It is the that very, one. Here's why I remember it because this is another thing, they had a mess another right thing Mike that. did. So, towards the end of the show, something happens and uh, uh, they start throwing chairs on us. Like, me and Jordan are laying in the ring and. Uh, Nightmare and Frankie Big Balls, they're like, they get a couple chairs and throw them. Then they tell the audience, throw some chairs. And next thing you know, everybody in the crowd is taking fucking chairs and throwing them on top of us. And one of them like hits Jordan in the head. The ring is covered in chairs. And then Mike comes out because he was also the ring announcer. And he comes over and he says something. He goes, He's, what did you say? You're like, you're lucky I don't cheat or else you'd be crippled. And then you kick me in the head. <laughs> Mike was bad about giving away what was going to happen at the next shows because there's one of those I was watching is, is a little bit later on. I think you, uh, I think it was with the match we tagged together. But at the end of the show, like everybody's leaving and you come on, you're yelling at the camera and you're like, and you watch because next time I'm going to have the belt and I'm going to have it every time. And the next show, you won the belt. <laughs> He's like, Telling That's everybody. what everybody says anyway. It wasn't like, yeah. I don't think we even decided who was going to win the belt. Like, I'm going to take your belt from you. <laughs> And it's so, going to exactly. happen next yeah. week. But that, <laughs> that's, that's what I remember yeah. from that show. Uh, what I was going to ask you earlier about the injury thing, um, Seth Rollins just got injured on a house show overseas. It's not even on tape or anything. But he, uh, he tore his ACL. And uh, it's just a sunset flip. Just shit that he does all the time, you know. Uh, and he's a super fit guy. He's a champ. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? He's known for his CrossFit stuff or whatever. But I wanted to ask you, are you, do you is there a paranoia but from wrestlers about getting injured? Oh, uh, Like, okay. do you ever worry about it before going into a match? Especially with somebody who's inexperienced. Yeah, you can't. And here's the thing. Uh, for those of you that don't watch wrestling... 
Seth Rollins is like the he's the main guy in WWE right now. He's like their their heavyweight champion, and he was doing what's called a house show. So like on wrestling, you know, like you see it on TV. That's not the only time they wrestle. They wrestle throughout the week on shows that aren't even televised. These guys do like four or five shows a week. And the ones that aren't on TV are called house shows. And he was wrestling at a house show, which really sucks because that means the only people that saw this were the ones in the arena. And he was going for what's called the sunset flip powerbomb over the over the top rope. And as he came around, he smashed his leg into the mat and actually bent and tore his ACL and his MCL. So he's going to be out for like six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Fucked his knee up bad. In fact, you can go online and just Google Seth Rollins' knee injury. Like, There's a bunch of people that took video of it. And it looks really, really, really bad. And it's probably not the first time Rollins has had an injury, and it's not going to be the last, which is why he just doesn't care when he goes for those moves. Um, here's the thing. You cannot think about what's going to happen to you before you go out there, because if you think about it, you are going to fuck up. Yeah. That's a huge thing you get that in, I learned You get in your own head. One. If you worry about, oh, man, if I do this, I might break my neck. If I do this, I might you know tear something. You are, you're going to think about it so much that you're going to change your execution and probably wind up fucking yourself Self-fulfilling up. You, prophecy. Yeah, you really have to go out there just like not worrying. You have to just be confident that yeah. you know, you're going to be able to pull it off and you're going to be able to move to the next thing. Like when you're, when you're canning the match with a guy, which is like, you know, like when you're, when you're kind of going over what you're going to do, you never really stop to go, well, hey, if I hit this plancha and if I break my neck, then we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. No, you just, you know, I'm going to hit this, then we're going to do that. We're going to go right into it. Like your brain can't stop to worry about, well, what if I mess up or what if I do that? Because as soon as you do, that's when you're going to actually fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Like the only times that I think I've been super, uh, not even super, just like a little bit concerned that maybe things get messed up is like when there's times that you have to bleed or if there's ever been like weapons and stuff involved. Because sometimes with that, you can have a tendency to go overboard with the bleeding and it gets in your eyes and shit like that. Or or the, the things I get concerned about is like if there's a match where I'm supposed to bleed and I worry about like what if I don't what if I don't bleed enough? What if I get out there and I like it's really dumb in wrestling how we quote cause ourselves to bleed. But like I worry about like what if I didn't do it enough and I only get a little bit of blood going like that. That's some of the few things that I've worried about. When you get into big gimmick matches where you're using like tables and chairs and stuff. uh those are things too. You kind of wonder, like, okay, man, I hope this guy. I hope he either hits me hard enough, or he doesn't hit me too hard while we're out. It's not so much of it messing up, but it's just like you know, you just hope with that, those extra things, weapons in the matches, sort of wild card situation. You're yeah, not sure you're, if it, yeah, like the table's yeah. going to fall weird. There's certain or, factors that you really have no control over. Like yeah. I, I know I can throw myself at a certain angle or hit a certain move, and I don't worry about that stuff. But when it's something else, like somebody hitting you with a chair. You know, you don't worry about are they going to mess it up. You just worry like, are they going to be too soft? Are they going to be too hard with it? Like, do you let people hit you clean in the head? Do you or do you put your arms up? Oh no, I always put. I I, it's dumb, and that's why I probably have like way way less often than never put my hands up. I have a tendency of putting my head down, Mm -hmm. but uh, it it saved me. There's two times. There's I've got two scars on my head from where I've had to throw chairs at me. And when they threw it, instead of throwing it flat, the the bar on the side turned and actually hit me and fucking sliced my head open. Yeah, Th- that's I believe I, mean. I was there's, there for one of those, and you were just a mess. Yeah, there's there's times like that where you you can't control it. It's going to happen, and you might wonder whenever gimmicks are involved, like okay, you know, are they going to throw this thing wrong, or is it going to happen too hard? But you, once it's time to go out there, you can't worry about it. You might worry about it backstage, but once the music gets and you go, Shut there's up, no longer yeah, there's stuff. no longer a thought. It's like. You have to get from point A to point B, and whatever happens in between is going to happen, and you really can't worry about it. Yeah, and this is what you trained for, so you just have to go and not worry about Completely. it at all. The worst one I had, but this is one of my stories that I tell a lot, was back when we were doing that that amateur shit you know, that we talked about earlier with me and Mike. Um, we got to a point with that where it was no longer amateur. Like We were legitimately doing professional shows out in this friggin' big-ass garage, whatever, and uh, I was working the main event with my old buddy Frankie Big Balls and it was a championship match and the ending was supposed to be that I was going to take him up we had like this little balcony set up in this in this little garage thing and I was going to give him a suplex off of this balcony we had two tables set up underneath the balcony that in my mind I was like well that's going to break our fall we should be completely fine because it was like I don't know maybe a 15 foot drop or so I thought we should be fine though the table break our fall and what we were falling on was a concrete floor. So the way that the match was supposed to end, I'm going to take it like I had the championship belt. I was the bad guy. He was the underdog good guy. He's supposed to beat me that night. And uh, so I take him up to this balcony and, 
you know, we're up there. And the crazy thing was, like, there was, like, 300 fucking people there that night. Like, this place was packed. All these kids, by kids, I mean, like, 18 to 20, but none of them could legally drink. But there was alcohol everywhere. They're, like, packed inside this place. So, like, it was a neat atmosphere. It was fucking hot. It was a summer night. People were out there going crazy. There's me and Frank bleeding because we had fucking, we had bladed and cut ourselves and shit. I, that night I had razor blades. I had three of them taped to my fingertips. So every time I would wipe my forehead, I was literally cutting myself three <laughs> times to try to get blood because there was a spot we were using like staple guns and shit. This is where wrestling's fucked up. We were using staple guns, but there was no staples inside of it. I would just cut yeah. myself with these blades in my finger. But anyway, so we're getting ready to set up for the, the end of the match. I take him up to the top of the balcony and I give him what's called a belly to back suplex, which is where you basically grab your opponent to the side and you're both facing the same way. That's important to know for the story. You're both facing the same way. It's kind of like you just walk up and hug them from the side, pick them up and fall backwards. So you're both falling backwards. So uh, when you do this to keep from hurting the other guy, you have to hold them in close. So basically the person that's doing it, like me, I'm taking most of the impact. And so I grab him. We fall off backwards off of this balcony absolutely missed the first table and barely clicked the second table none of them broke and when we hit the ground basically i took the full impact of frank around me so when i hit the floor i'm basically sandwiched between the concrete and frank's body weight so he comes down and just crushes my sternum well as we were going down frank was going backwards so his head smacked off the concrete floor so we do this little 15 fall drop crush my chest and hit the back of his head there's 300 fucking people there just like staring at us and i remember because like we fell like almost like into a sea of people anyway like they cleared out for us to hit this spot and um we're laying there and like the place went silent and to this day like i've wrestled a ton of fucking places and i've worked for some cool high profile companies and wrestled like really well-known wrestlers but to this day it's still my favorite moment in wrestling was us doing this backyard show anyway we're both laying there and there's like all these fucking people just dead silent Cause like I guess they thought Frank died because his head just bam smacked off the concrete floor, so we're laying there and it went from super loud to nothing. Now I was supposed to lose the match. I was supposed to lose my title that night, and we're laying there and it's like I was like, what the fuck? Well, Frank because he was like sitting on top of me became like dead weight. He was unconscious, and so I tried to pull myself out from underneath him, but like he was too heavy. And plus, I I didn't know at the time that I had broke my ribs. So I'm trying to move out and I can't get out. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, Frank. And he didn't answer me. I was like, Frank. I was like, are you dead? Nothing. And I was like, fuck. And like the place is dead. In fact, I remember looking over and I saw like Frank's girlfriend and her friend and they were crying. Like there were fucking girls. Mm -hmm. They were crying. Like they thought that we seriously, like that he died. Well, you could tell it didn't go right. So like, and I'm laying on my back, just looking up and seeing just this sea of people looking down. And I was like, fuck. And I was like, well, if he's dead, we still have to finish the match. So I took my one free arm and I kind of rolled it over and put it on top of him. And the ref goes down. He's like, one, two, I don't know how, but Frank fucking kicked his shoulder right oh, out. Man. And I just rolled back over and I was like, what the fuck, dude? When the place realized he wasn't dead, pop louder than I've ever fucking heard. Maybe it was just the emotions <laughs> that night and what we were doing. And it's, I made it bigger in my head. But to this day, like in any shows I've been a part of, I've never heard a pop that fucking loud. The crowd popped like nuts. They were like, <laughs> yeah. He got the Steve Austin so, pop. I, and so I'm there and I turn back over I was like Frank I thought you were fucking dead and he's like I am and I was like oh great oh, so shit. he's out of it like he's just laying there and I'm like well, how are we gonna finish it he kicked out dude he doesn't remember any of that either so I thought well here's what we gotta do I was like I'm gonna drag his fucking ass back to the ring and I'm gonna figure out a way to put him on me and that's what I did I literally had to drag him <laughs> fireman style drag his feet over to the ring like took his limp body and threw it in and uh, I had this move I was using at the time where I would put them over my shoulders and I would just kind of like drop them down and, and on their back. So since he was supposed to win, I, I took him in the ring, dead weight over my shoulders, threw him out. And as I threw him out, I threw myself down onto my head <laughs> and then just laid him on top of me. Like it had to look ridiculous, but I laid him on top of me and then the ref counted one, two, three and the place just fucking exploded again. And I'm like, in my head, I'm going, what the fuck just happened? So I roll out of the ring because Frank just won. He won the belt. Like, people were going crazy. It's his time, you know, to shine. And I roll out, and I get backstage. And when I got backstage, I just, I mean, I fucking collapsed. I fell down because I couldn't breathe. And I remember, like, I'm sitting in what they call, 
in wrestling, they call it gorilla position. That's where you're looking out the curtain. And I'm, I'm like looking at it, Frank, to make sure he's okay. And I see all the, all the wrestlers come in and grab him and lift him up over his shoulders. And he's like slumped down. And on the back of his head, no shit is a fucking baseball sized welt because mm-hmm. he had head trauma. So this contusion is filling up with blood. It looks like a baseball in the, it looks like he's growing another fucking head out of the back of his skull. It looked kind of like a donut. I was because like, where, I, where I was from, I actually saw it happen. So while Sam's like going back to the, to the back, Jordan comes into the ring, holds his hand, holds Frank's hand up. Frank uh, immediately like falls down mm-hmm. to his knees because yeah. he can't stand up. That's why I knew Frank was really hurt. Yeah. Right then. So then everybody starts coming out, and you literally because when when Frank got up and had his hand raised, the back of his head looked fine, it looked mm-hmm. a little red, but as like you could you watched it grow. Right, right, right. He like had this this like Krispy Kreme donut on the back of his head. <laughs> That's scary. Delicious. That's real scary. <laughs> so. Uh, so after the after the match had ended and like everybody left, um, Frank, I, you know, I, I I guess everybody thought he was okay. Like he just had this thing going on, and like I couldn't fucking breathe. Like I was like, man, something is wrong with my chest. So they actually called nine one one, and an ambulance came out and got Frank. And uh, or at least that's what I heard. I don't I don't know if an ambulance actually came out. I thought somebody said they called nine one one though. The police came out, and uh, I actually had the the girl that I was dating at the time, and of all people, who was with us. <laughs> Tony fucking Heeman. <laughs> it's like me. This girl's name was Irina. She was boss. It was me, Irina, Jordan, and Tony Heeman driving to St. Anthony's ER. And like I thought, I heard that like an ambulance came and got Frank. Maybe because I, I rode, I rode with the ambulance with Frank. And, and then later on, like cops showed up, and I heard like the cops were like, "Dude, this looks all like they couldn't believe how elaborate <laughs> yeah. the setup was." Wow. But it was like all these kids there drinking and shit. Um, yeah, we had to like show the cops around, <laughs> which is hilarious. But like. Something like that. That's the worst injury that I've ever had yeah. as far as like uh, breaking ribs. Because I did. I went up like fracturing a rib off the sternum and popped it off later the next night. But Frank's head, like something like that, you you know going into it, it's like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to hit the suplex off that. We're going to go back to the ring. We're going to set up. You're going to kick out, hit me with the finish, and we're done. You don't stop to think. What if the tables don't break? Right. What if you fall on top of me and smash it? You can't you just think have about to go this stuff. For if it, yeah, if it, if it happens, if it happens, it happens. But that yeah. was a long story. But I, I still, to this day, it's still one of my all-time favorite moments. The entire time I've been wrestling was that reaction when I went to pin him, thinking he was dead. And he kicked out and just, just, pow, <laughs> man, the place exploded. And that's the reason you do this stuff for moments like that. Totally. Not, not dangerous moments, but moments where you get that pop right. and that and response. Because so, that means you're doing something right. Totally. So the WCWF. So, so Seth Rollins will rehab. He'll come back, and I'll guarantee you he's not going to think twice about ever doing that move again or right. if his knee's going to go. Because, I mean, that's what he is. He's a professional. He's got a job to do. He's got people to entertain. It, it won't cross his mind ever again. That's why they're paying the big bucks. Can I actually get your thoughts on a Bellator match that was just announced yesterday? Uh, what match was it? Uh, they just announced Hoist Gracie versus Shamrock 3 in February. Um, this fight should have taken place back in 1997. That's true. <laughs> uh, Bellator's uh, doing a little gimmicky stuff now, like they just had the Kimbo Slice and Shamrock thing. But I, I think they have the right idea that they don't want to be UFC light. They want to try different things, even though it's the old farts going in there. But I'm, I am actually excited to see what Hoist Gracie does because he was my favorite fighter back in the super old UFC days. Like I, I recently just bought UFC one and yeah. two on DVD that I found somewhere, and uh, it was cool seeing that old stuff. And now they're announcing this, and I'm hopeful, but. <laughs> Uh, trepidatious because you uh, don't know how that's going to go. I like how on I'm your not. list you spelled his name with an H. So that I pronounced it right. So that I pronounced it right. Oh. They, they did it on spelling. the news. I saw that they were on the news like doing some stuff with some firemen and stuff and they're like with Royce Gracie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with Royce. Uh, yeah, the fight is happening like 20 years too late. Sure. Um, their first fight was boring as fuck. Hoist Gracie is a pioneer, but when Matt Hughes smashed the shit out of him, it, it was finally that day where you said, okay, in, in MMA, you can't just be a specialist at one discipline. Yeah. You have to be well-rounded. And Matt Hughes, who then eventually got passed up by the sport, because even Hughes was a very heavy ground-and-pound guy, and that wasn't enough for him. But even at that point, like he fought Hoist Gracie, and Gracie had absolutely nothing besides his jiu-jitsu and uh, was past his prime. And he was just took him down and beat the fuck out of him. Yeah. I I watched that last fight with Ken Shamrock where he fought uh who did he fight? Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice. He fought Kimbo Slice and um 
Back to the wrestling thing. I I swear that that fight was fixed. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because that, that people were saying that, that it was a fixed fight. Did, I didn't it, actually watch the fight. It looked so. completely fixed. Like It looked like they tied up, and then he like grabbed a single leg, and Kimbo actually it was called bumping. It looked yeah. like Kimbo purposely threw himself to the ground, and then... yeah. There's was, there's actually interviews online of Shamrock saying I would never submit to Kimbo Slice in the way that he did. For so, anyone listening to the show today that that is here for the fitness and all that stuff, I I have a theory on aging, and there's been studies and tests and everything that are ongoing right now, and it's it's like humans are aging much slower these days. Like 34 now is really like 25. And some of it could have could be due to all the chemicals that we're eating, a lot of the GMO foods that get a bad name, a bad rep, could possibly be helping us live longer. We are aging so much slower now. So, like athletes, due to you know genetic factors and the increase in uh, sports supplement and exercise and all the knowledge that we have in that field, like athletes are now holding their primes way longer. Like nowadays, like back in the day, if you were a boxer and you hit your thirties. You were shot. That's it. You're done. You know, you're a piece of shit. Take you out. Put a bullet in your head. Nowadays, like Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins is like 50 still fighting for world titles. Randy Couture was like 49 whenever he uh, won his last MMA fight. Like athletes are holding their peak. They're peaking later and they're holding their prime for a much longer time. However, Ken Shamrock, like... Not only is his age a factor because like 51 or something... This sport has passed him by like tremendously. And then Hoist Gracie, who never evolved with the sport and is also like old as fuck. Having these two guys come together is going to be boring. It's yeah. not going to be like, well, since they're both old and didn't evolve, it's not that. Like, it's it's going to be two guys in there just kind of plodding around. I think uh, Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock really thrived in that, those early UFCs because their early UFCs were based on having one fighting style versus another fighting style. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, it was not what the sport is today, where it's is am- uh, amalgamation of all of these oh, fighting com- styles. Yeah, completely. You know? And then condensed into one, uh, the one best fighting style, which is to be <laughs> right. well-rounded in all of them. The only thing that might make this entertaining is if they both go out there and they're kind of like, "Fuck it," you know. We really have nothing left in the tank. Let's just fight. Let's not worry about making it a jujitsu match or this. Yeah, I don't Let's see who's crazy throwing punches though. He might. He's always had that front kick set up. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the other factor there is rounds. Like everybody talked about how boring their first fights were, but that's back when UFC had no rounds. The second one went the distance. Yeah, so, so they would go out there and just they were literally grappling for like two fucking hours. Yeah. And you know, with this fight, they've got the round system, and I think both are going to go in, not really worried about though who's going to choke the other guy out. Maybe they'll just go in and try to fight. But I don't know. I really have no interest in seeing two dudes in their fifties that. The sport passed by 20 years ago fight each other. That's Bellator's model. Bellator is trying to kind of pick up where pride left off, which is giving people attractions instead of just, you know, good quality matchups. That's why they have, like, Kimbo Slice is one of their biggest stars, and Kimbo Slice is fucking junk. And he's fighting a guy. I think I saw he's fighting a dude whose name, is it like a rapper? No, it's his old bodyguard. Uh, and, and they're and they used to be friends, and now they're like yeah. rivals. See, Bellator is trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bellator is trying yeah. to use the storyline thing from wrestling. Like it's funny, but that's it. That's the difference between wrestling and MMA. Is like call yeah. me, call you me know, when Bellator does tag team, and then well, I'll see, that's what I'm saying. I can have like a ladder match. That's what I was saying. Though, I was that Bellator that. is trying to do something a little different than UFC is because they know they can't be the same and they can't right. beat UFC. Well, it's because they don't have quality fighters. Like right. this is one. I'll, I'll get some shit for this. Well, Whatever. Actually, well, hometown kid is that's what I was going to bring up. That's what I was going to bring up. Last night, dude, Mike Chandler. Mike Chandler is. Um, awesome dude, and he's a he's a fucking good high level fighter. But the thing about Mike Chandler is he's fighting for Bellator. He's a big fish in a very small pond. MMA is still so young. MMA has only been popular now for like maybe twenty years. Not even that. Like it started the first fight to get MMA like mainstream was Chuck Liddell and Randy or Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture in their second fight. That was in like two thousand five. So that's when MMA really started to become mainstream. This sport has only been around for a little while, and because of that. The best in the world fight for the UFC. UFC is the major leagues. Every other organization, whether it's Bellator, Strike Force, whatever, you name it, they're still just like little feeder systems. So just because somebody is awesome in Bellator doesn't mean that like 
they'd step in against like a UFC champion and be equals. They're not. It's not even close. Like all the best fighters in the world are in the UFC. If you don't fight for the UFC, you're either ducking, you're hiding something, or you're not ready yet. So like a Mike Chandler, and this isn't like to talk shit on Mike Chandler, but if he goes to the UFC, he's average. He's mm-hmm. middle of the pack, possibly lower than that. So if he goes there, he's no longer the big fish in a small pond. He has to go to Bellator where they can feed him chump guys in front of his you know home crowd which is great, and that's awesome for him. And they offered him more money than UFC did that last time, so good for him, man. I think it's more of a business decision than Totally. Make that money. Plus, UFC doesn't fight in St. Louis. UFC is not going to come to St. Louis until we get rid of our fucked-up commission because we have an athletic commission here that still treats professional wrestling like it's a real sport, and they just it's crazy what they do with the tax dollars for combat sports. So until we don't have the athletic commission, UFC is not coming to St. Louis. If UFC doesn't come to St. Louis, Mike Chandler doesn't get to fill an arena with his hometown people he's got all these factors in play for why it's best and it's safer to stay in bellator good for him but the point is if he goes to ufc that's where the best fighters in the world are at he's no longer going to be in there in contention against champions and holding the belt like he literally is gonna have to work his way up and he'll be you know middle of the pack maybe i'd be wrong that would be awesome if he went there and he fucking won the belt good for him i would support him but like that's well, he's my age, so he's still got a good 10 years at least oh, at of least. fighting. At so least. he, he could, fight he could eventually make He's going to fight till he's 50, and yeah. then he's going to fight the winner of Shamrock and Hoist Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to fucking happen. In a nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to fight at fucking Delmar Gardens. And then Betty White from fucking <laughs> Ronnie's Gardens. Theater is going to come in. Oh, it's like Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it is to them. And then if you guys listen to the Watchers on the Couch podcast that I was on earlier and whenever that download goes up. Betty White from the Ronnie story is going to come in and take her teeth out and give that blowjob to whoever the winner of Chandler vs. Shamrock Gracie is. It'll be great. Yeah. I'll go there. I'm looking it. forward to that. I'll be there for it. Um, so Chris brought a whole list of questions and comments. So what else you got on there? Oh, yeah. You want, you want me to go back to the notes here? Sure. Uh, what do you think about Kurt Angle being the ambassador to Bellator now? Dude, Kurt Angle, it, it sucks for that Possible guy. Possible commentating long term. I absolutely love Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is a guy that at least he realized that, though. Like, his age, he's not going to be able to jump into MMA and fucking be successful. He could probably fight maybe like a Shamrock or something yeah. and, and get away with just being a good wrestler. But You ever see a guy flourish quicker than he did in WWE? Like. He just jumped in that pond and was like skyrocketing. Right. It, it, besides Brock Lesnar, and there's the difference is Kurt Angle learned how to use his personality. Brock Lesnar never made sure, it to yeah. that charismatic. Like Brock Lesnar is a he, beast. Well, Brock Lesnar says, I, what he says on interviews and stuff is like, I guess they think I can't talk. Yeah. But they know that Paul Heyman can talk way better than he can. Oh, totally. Like Brock so, Lesnar cannot be a character. And this isn't any fault in him. I love Lesnar now. When Lesnar started as a wrestler, I fucking hated him. He reminded me of those football players in high school. Then when he left and said, you know what? I want to conquer NFL. Yeah. I want to conquer MMA. I'm like, that shows balls. And he did. Yeah, he I don't totally care did. how controversial anything. He fucking beat uh, Heath Herring. He beat Randy Couture. He won the title. He beat Frank Mir's ass again. Like, he went out there and he did it. So when he came back to wrestling, I was like, okay, now I love this guy. Dude adapted to professional wrestling so awesome. But he just he didn't understand how to use his personality. Kurt Angle's ass, like, being this boring wrestler guy, came in, though, and just right off the bat was able to take his personality and yeah. just he, go with it. He got it, and he got the response from the crowd negatively <laughs> all the time. The you suck thing, you know? Kurt Angle and uh, Chris Benoit back in 2000, 2001, they had like a couple matches at like WrestleMania and a few others that like those or were the did matches. They, I don't think those matches exist anymore. <laughs> oh, they do. They Chris, do. But those, Chris, those Benoit, like, Chris Benoit's the Voldemort of those, WWE. Those are the matches that I would study over and over again when I was first getting into pro wrestling. Like when we were learning like how to actually work and all this shit. Like those were matches between Kurt Angle and Benoit that I would watch constantly just yeah. to go, okay, that is what wrestling should be like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always respected Benoit back to his WCW days, and it's unfortunate what happened. But, but it's one of those Kurt Angle, to, to go back to your question, Kurt Angle, when when he made the decision to go to WWE, if, if he would have just went MMA then, or even a few years later, if he would have said, you know what, fuck this, instead of doing the wrestling, I'm going to learn how to fucking, I'm going to learn how to do some Muay Thai, right. I'm going to learn how to actually transition to mixed martial arts, probably would be holding a title or would have held the title easily. He would have held the title years ago in MMA, but... Yeah. 
He got in some drug problems and stuff too. Oh, that yeah, and that his injuries, his ability like, to do that. So many injuries from wrestling. Like it's it's not even so much that he's older now. I don't know what his angle. Like probably in his late forties, something like that. He could. I mean, Mid-40s. don't get me wrong. Guys like Kurt Angle. Again, when we talk about how UFC is the best <laughs> in the world, if Kurt Angle went out right now without any training, if he just took what he knows now and went and fought for like a promotion here in St. Louis, if he went to like uh, Lumiere or did Fight Hard or Finney's or something. He Ooh, could probably fancy. get in. And, he could probably get in and beat the fuck out of whoever he fought. Yeah, like any guy at that level, like a local level, he destroyed. Even yeah. just off of his wrestling and whatever submission stuff that he's done, he could get in and. There's do There's a but, legendary uh, shoot fight between him and Lesnar that happened in a WWE uh, like yeah, before an event. I've heard about that. I heard Lesnar talk about that recently, but uh, like, but now like it's way way past him. Like Angle should be like wrapping up his pro wrestling career and definitely not thinking about getting into fighting. I like the fact that it sounds like they're going to use him in an ambassador way or like somebody to represent yeah. it to get recognition, but not necessarily fight. Uh, let's go back to you. Uh, on the subject of uh, calling matches in the ring, do you like to call matches in the ring? Or do you like to do both or? I like to have a guideline. I kind of like... Like beforehand, you guys sort of plan out a couple spots, or how does that... Or is this breaking kayfabe? It's... See, it it sucks because I know not a lot of people listen to the show that are into wrestling, but still, I... Well, uh, you could promote it to people that... But, like wrestling, you know what I mean. Like, go here if you want to hear my I'm thoughts old, on wrestling. I'm old enough. Finally. I still like the kayfabe stuff. I I kind of hate the guys are on social media now, and there's their real name, and like mm-hmm. two guys that are in a rivalry, like are friendly with each other, and it just yeah. to me it ruins the illusion. So sure, it kind of I kind of hate when I get on here and I start talking about backstage wrestling stuff. But yeah, that's not. Like, there's certain wrestling lingo, I guess, that when you're when you're putting your match together, like. There's certain steps to a match. There's certain stages to it, and when you give that away, it kind of ruins the illusion when you watch a shit. But yeah, um, well, about- I like to have a guideline, like maybe some bullet points, like hey, we're gonna try this, and at some point we're gonna do that, and here's what we're gonna end with, and yeah. then everything else out there we're gonna call on the fly. That's always the best. Have you ever uh, caught heat or got or pissed people off? In layman's terms, for a promo that you cut, because I always loved your promos in LWA. Where you uh, just come out and rant. You you always been pretty good on the mic. And I know, not, and nobody and lets me use the smoke. mic anymore. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I le- legit enjoyed it. That's so. my favorite part of professional wrestling. That is why I still do podcasts. That's they don't why talk on the mic. Um, other no, places that that nobody to? uses me on the mic because even anarchy. No, cause, I guess because I'm still working my way back up. Though like, uh, I've been yeah. so I've been so off and on for the last like six or seven years that. Got to build I'm back not, up. Yeah, Shame. I've not really been booked in a way to where it's like, oh, let's get him out there and talk. And plus, the other promotions I work for, I don't think they know. Like, they look at me and think, oh, he's a big, strong guy. There's not many of those in indie wrestling, so just monster. Rawr. Why put him on the mic? He's probably not very articulate or intelligent, and they're mm-hmm. fucking stupid. That's why I'm making all these uh, these little videos now. That's why I'm doing all this stuff on YouTube. Is that it's my chance to cut promos, whether somebody lets me or not. I'm getting a chance to get that creative freedom. I love doing in-ring promos, but uh, nobody books me to do that stuff. I wish you'll they get would. back. You'll get back there, dude. You got to build your new character back up or um, your rebranded character. But I guess you're asking, has anybody ever got offended by something that I was saying? Yeah. No, I usually let them know though. Like, um, if there's a if there's a dude and I've got something planned that's like super offensive, I'll usually tell them beforehand. Yeah. Like, hey, look, Only I'm Jordan gonna, has offended. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, I'm, I'm what gonna, he's doing sniffy stuff. Yeah, in and Illinois, usually, I try to keep it to like something obvious. I hope anyone remembers that. that like, listens it, to this. like if you got an opponent that's overweight, you know, they're, okay, obviously they get made fun of for it, so you know they're gonna kind of expect it. But try to do it in a way that's not cliche. Everybody might come out and say, "Oh, you're fat," and so. You're so fat, you step on the scale, and it's the Richter scale, blah, 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 or whatever. So it's like, I'll try to find a different way to get around that. It's pretty good. It's pretty good angle right there. My favorite one was, uh, I got this on my YouTube page. If you go to Adam Caster on YouTube and subscribe, I got these old promos on there. But one of my favorite promos, making fun of somebody, um, the setup was like, the guy in the ring, his name was Triple X Jordan Lacey, and he was like 300 pounds, so he was he was poorly, and he was getting in a pretty good shape then, but he was still known for being overweight, and we were fighting over something called the medallion. So the medallion was like this necklace with like a little gold medallion on it, and it meant you could get a title shot if you won it, so I was wrestling him for the medallion. It's like a gold medal. And so I came out to the ring, and it was like, what did I say to him? Um, I said something about, you're so, f- what did I say? 
Oh, his gimmick. He was like a porn star. That was his gimmick that he was playing was that he was this porn star sexy guy. And I was getting the crowd fired up. And I was like, you know, I think it's ridiculous you call yourself a porn star because if you actually were one, you'd be the first one I know that has a double chin on their penis. (laughs) And then I took the medallion and I was like, I bet you were pretty pissed the first time you tried to dip this in milk and eat it like a cookie. (laughs) So, But he he knows he's going to get made fun of for being big. But those are great bad jokes. Right. And even then, I probably told him backstage, like, hey, I'll make fun of your weight a little bit. There yeah. was a there's another guy who um, he has another obvious feature that's you know something he gets made fun of and so I told him I'm probably gonna make fun of that and I, I don't like to get out there and hit somebody with something too much and like another promo that I have online I watched the other day I completely forgot about it was uh, I was wrestling Dorian Victor and he's um, like when you're if you're cutting a promo I guess to do and they're black or they're overweight or whatever like. It's still good to let them know. And Dorian kind of knew by then I'd wrestle him so much that when I do promos, I'm going to throw something racist in. And I try not to do that stuff now, but I probably would still. Mm-hmm. But I, um, it, was, it was around the time that I was about to have my first kid be born. My daughter was going to be born. I'm cutting a promo in the ring about how, like, oh, I'm nervous because my daughter's going to be born anytime soon. Then Dorian Victor cuts me off, and he comes out, and he's yelling at me. He's like, how about you just fucking stay at home and be a housewife when your kid's born? Go home and show your kid what a piece of shit you are. And so my response was something about, dude, I can tell you're jealous because my kid's going to know whose dad it is. And I was like, I'm surprised you had the balls to come down to, you know, House Springs, you know, and not worry about people lynching you or dragging you behind a truck. Like, it's bad, but it's like, I knew the audience down there, too, and I'm like, they're going to pop for that shit. Yeah. I'm saying this racist stuff. That is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. That is always the most important thing in wrestling. The crowd's response. It was kind of cheap, but I'll, I'll usually tell them, like, beforehand... Yeah. Hey, I might make fun of that because, like, in real life, very rarely. I don't think I've ever been in the ring with somebody that I personally didn't like. So, and I want it to stay that way. So, I always think it's best to let them know. Like, if you're going to say something offensive, at least kind of clear it with them. Like, hey, do you mind if I talk about that or say that? And almost always, they say, yeah, sure, go for it. So, I don't think I've offended anybody. Can we, can we uh, talk about a uh, particularly <laughs> well? Okay. What I wrote down is promoter woes, and I had a certain match that I saw you in. Since you've re, uh, restarted wrestling again, and seriously, it was at Pops. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were involved in a match with uh, Sabu, right? Okay. Now I was in the crowd for this show, and I could tell that it did not go as expected, and it felt incredibly rushed. So if you. Uh-huh. Do, if, do you? I don't think I'm not asking you to bury anybody, but I, which I don't know. I I just think that you could share a little story about yeah. that if you want to. All right. So, um, the show that we were doing, it was like uh, there was all these one-on-one matches, and the winners from four of those matches go on at the end and face each other in a four-way match where four guys fight each other. So, the way that these matches go is all four opponents come out to the ring, and then you start fighting. Um, it was it was myself, Billy McNeil, um, another guy that goes by the name of Ken Casa, and Sabu was supposed to be the fourth guy. And when we were talking backstage about okay, you know what the fuck are we gonna do? Sabu was a little inebriated, and um, was <laughs> he wasn't the easiest to understand. Like some guys that have been in this business for a long time are in a whole lot of pain and how they deal with that pain isn't the most appropriate way but hey that's what they have to do so the way that Sabu was dealing with his pain left him a little unable to talk or understand and so when he finally came over and we were going to talk about what's going on he was just slurring and mumbling something about a chair and then he walked away and we were like okay so, so we're calling it in the ring yeah we're like we're gonna completely call it. so what we were gonna do is we said look we're gonna go out we're all three just gonna work until sabu because we knew he was gonna come out a little bit later they were gonna make it delayed that way he gets a pop when he comes out but we figured it would just be like you know whatever give him some time let us go out there and work maybe like 10 minutes let us go out there and do our thing for 10 minutes and then sabu mysteriously comes out at yeah the i end. was wondering where he was because you guys started the match and he wasn't in it yeah so so the match starts and it's the three it's of us weird. and now that was our thing was we said when sabu finally hits the ring you know, we'll go ahead and just start taking it home, which means ending the match. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking we're going to have a good 10 minutes or so till Sabu, you know, pops a fucking audience, comes out, does his thing. Because this whole thing was just going to be when he hit the ring, we knew he was going to do something with the chair and like throw somebody through a table like he was going to set up for the finish. So pretty much Sabu was going to be out of the match until the very end. 
we just didn't know how long that very end would be. So we were like, let's just go out there. We'll work. When he gets out there, we'll go into the finish. We all three get introduced, and we're just starting to get into it. And about two minutes later, Sabu hits the ring. We'd only been out there for two minutes, and all of a sudden, here comes Sagas. He just decided, fuck it. I'm going out when I want. Ran out with a chair, hit all three of us, threw a guy through a table. The other guy splashed me. He got the win, and the match was over that. The match was like four minutes long. It was like a four-minute main event. Yeah, and and there was four guys out there, and it's like you do the math. Like, there's more people involved. It's the main event. Maybe it should last a little bit longer than that. Right, yeah. He came Mm -hmm. out, and it's like the way that he finished it, too, it kind of sucked because the way that he bumped everybody, like, it would have looked like shit for all of us to get back up and then wrestle for another 10 minutes. Like, it would have been like, well, that's dumb, and nothing hurt them. So it was like him hitting the ring in two minutes and just, like, smashing us and throwing us through chairs, hitting us with tables and hitting us with chairs. And then uh, us getting up, it would have seemed... Yeah, he put you in a position that you had no other choice. It was really screwed up. Like, we weren't, and you know, like, when he came out there, like, all the stuff he was doing was total pro. Like, he threw a chair at me, and, like, I mean, it it didn't, like, smash my head. It didn't cut me open. Like, everything he did was right on. We just didn't know what he was doing or when he was going to do it, but it sucked because it was two minutes in, and then, like, after that, you go, okay, that was it. That was our finish. So that led to, like, a four minute main event. It was, um, well, that's, that's definitely, that was a, Landmark match in your career because you got to be in the ring with Sabu, but uh, albeit he's at old fart stage now. So I was more in there like really... Sabu. Like by the time I got around to him, it was like it was cool because it was like I remember I text Keith. Well, that's why I went because it's like yeah. it's Sabu. I text Keith and I was like, dude, I'm I'm wrestling Sabu tonight. Like Sabu's nothing anymore, but that's still cool to me. Growing up watching him in ECW and yeah. shit, so it was like that was neat. But really, in the overall context of like my career and what I've done, it's like. Again, the Shamrock Gracie thing. I'm like, it's Sabu fucking yeah. 15 years and after you've he was popular. Had, you've had, and pardon the pun, barn burners <laughs> that were in complete indie matches that were 150 times better than that. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, completely. So. And I've wrestled guys that, like, in, the guys that I looked up to that were, like, some of my favorite wrestlers that I've been in the ring with. And to me, that was that was more cool and was more nerve wracking than, than with Sabu. Like, it was neat. He was in there, but, like, like when I wrestled Austin Aries, like that was one where I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm marking out total. Like I'm actually marking out for the guy I'm about to wrestle. That can, was a big deal. Can people find that online? Do you have that? Yeah, all of those are on my my YouTube page. If you go to the if you find Adam Caster and subscribe to me, like I've got a lot of old matches on there. I'm trying to get a hold of the new stuff, and a lot of my new promos are on. But I'm pretty sure the match with him, uh, Davy Richards. I, I got quite a few other ones on there that are a bit older. You like how it led you to that plug? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Go subscribe to the Adam Caster page right now, and you'll get to see my promos where I'm calling porn stars fat and telling black guys they shouldn't go to House Springs. <laughs> well, that's that's it for the Nays takeover. <laughs> the question, I, I nice. just asked that you questions us, for like half that, an hour. That probably but. took us right to the podcast. So, Hell yeah. Mike Daffron, how are you? I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> Sorry, you, we didn't get much. These days? No, no, no. You had quite an exchange with him very early in the podcast that was very sexual. Mm-hmm. It was. Well, that's why he hasn't Maybe talked we'll have much. One after. That's why he hasn't talked much. You shell shocked him. He finally, he finally gave me that blowjob under the table while we were talking. So that was his contribution. <laughs> this episode was that was pretty. My quick. was full. It was pretty quick because I didn't even see you go under the I'm table. Good. Yeah. He was. I was he distracted by his lovely voice, and he didn't make much noise. You know what? Sneaky, that, sneaky. that reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. What did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? <laughs> all right everybody all right everybody i hope you liked the show and i hope that all the talk of wrestling didn't drive you away maybe he's going to bring you back for more as nasty nay said that's the reason to go check out and subscribe to my adam caster youtube page just search adam caster when you see it hit the subscribe button just like you should be doing to this podcast and check out all my old stuff check out my new stuff leave me comments like stuff and buy my t-shirt when it comes out also, you can find me on almost all forms of social media at AdamCasterSTL. That's my Instagram, that's my Twitter, and my uh, oh my Snapchat, that's AdamRawSTL, just because they won't let me change it yet. And, yeah. Do you mind if I plug something as well? Of course. Go for uh, it. Check out the On the Road with Thornberry podcast, your premier independent band podcast, and Onyx Edge Studios production in conjunction with Acme Worldwide Incorporated. Financed by you, the hardworking, red-blooded, blue-collar, bus-taking, floor-cleaning, fanny-pack-wearing fan. Subsidized by Otter Lake, LLC. (laughs) Peter Otter Lake.
I'm Tim Bickerel. <laughs> I'm Tim Bickerel. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Hates You, on Instagram at Onyx Edge Studios. I'm Mike Daffron. You can follow me now. I'm on Twitter. Fuck yeah. At the Mike Daffron. Is That's it the right. real the Mike Daffron? Mike Daffron. No, the not real the Mike real. Daffron. You the... can see pictures of his underwear modeling on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can hear him on the Game of Thrones podcast on this very channel. Correct. Yes, sir. Or if you go to the Show Me up, Entertainment YouTube page, you can see a lot of Mike Daffron in the past and him doing that chocolate salty balls dance. Oh, wait. Can I plug something? And Your you butt. can see Staunton LeBannon. Staunton LeBannon's on there. <laughs> There you go, Stunt LeBannon. Great movie. Starring Mike Daffron. Starring Mike Daffron. Written by Jordan. It's his magnum opus, really. Yeah. All right, Your that's it for today's <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I am pretty great, aren't I? Um, I'm the best. <laughs> that's it for today's show, but Tim, could you please tell everybody where they could find more info on us? You can find more info about How Should I Bro? At our website, HowShouldIBro.com, on Twitter, at HowShouldIBro, and on Facebook, HowShouldIBro. That's it for today. I'll try to get some more stuff coming up soon in the near future so that there's not these long breaks in between episodes. But you guys will find out why. So we will catch you guys on the next download.